From Glitch HQ on Riverside Avenue in... It's our 150th, y'all! Minneapolis. This is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk about gaming and game development. I'm Martha McGarry, and I make nice games. I'm Steve McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Martha Croy, I too make nice games. In this episode, we talk with my dad, Dave McGarry, who developed games for the ColecoVision and was a founding party member in the creation of Dungeons & Dragons to discuss something else completely, board game design. And so, if everyone is ready... Let's start. Steven. Yes. What episode is this? Uh, uh, I, uh, I forgot. It's <laughs> <laughs> 150! <laughs> Woo! Uh, we've been doing this show for almost three years. Yes. Um, because somehow the math works out that we averaged more than 52 episodes a year. Yes. Um, we're, we're coming down from that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Stabilizing. Mm-hmm. Um, so our three-year anniversary is coming up, but this one is, at least according to our count, which is not accurate, but close enough, <laughs> this is 150. Yeah. And we want to do something special, uh, which is an episode we've been trying to have for a little while. Right, Martha? Yeah. We're going to have. Have my dad. Hi, dad. Hi. <laughs> On the show. <laughs> thanks for having me. <laughs> well, thanks for coming in. We have we had this sort of like list of interesting things to talk to you about, which means we're going to have you back because <laughs> you know you're a, a fascinating person and a really bright guy and a great speaker. Um, but we wanted to maybe start out with something a little bit uh, unexpected. This was something you wanted to talk about, which mm-hmm. was a board game design. Yes, and a lot of the principles that I have put into the. the Games that I've worked on yeah. are really appropriate also for any uh, gaming uh, system, yeah. electronic or board game or card game. Yeah. You know, awesome. There's a lot of strategic ideas that um, game designers need to pay attention to in putting a game together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For some reason, we've spent 150 episodes and not had a specific topic on board games. <laughs> so I'm glad you brought it up. <laughs> well, we can get to the sort of fundamental truths of game design. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Can you describe um, your game first that you've worked on? Well, the uh, game we're t- as my claim to fame is the Dungeon Fantasy board game. Mm-hmm. With an exclamation point. With an exclamation point. <laughs> <laughs> that sort of separates me from the rest of the world for, <laughs> of all that. Um, the, uh, there, the idea was to eliminate the referee in the Blackmore system that Ernestson was running and apply the uh, concepts of a, a group game and get it on the board without having to have uh, the interaction with the referee okay. or, game design, or a game master. Yeah. He was always a referee. So, <laughs> so, so I'm going to use referee from, the, sure. um, from now on. Mm-hmm. So it, you you start have to look at what was the gaming system that the that Arneson was presenting to us. Mm-hmm. So and the the very first first thing you come to understand, well, he's saying a description of the gaming world: ten feet, twenty feet, thirty feet, an intersection, and you get to and what do you want to do? So you get to make a decision about how you want to play. You know, go further on into the game. So if you're trying to translate that from um, that interaction to a board game where the referee's not going to be there, how do you, how do, you do that? <laughs> and the first, first thing I had to do was to dis- design the board mm-hmm. oh. so that it would be completely revealed. Because, I mean, what uh, Arneson was doing was describing the maps 
uh, and there he is on the on his map, mm-hmm. and we had no idea. It was sort of a fog of war. Yeah. It's in the shadows, and yeah. so I knew that I wasn't going to be there, so I had to expose my dungeon, and um, that's how that solved that problem. <laughs> <laughs> but that introduces new problems too, right? Yes. Well, the other pieces that they're describing, there's a door. You open the door, and there's a monster. Well, I was not going to be there for the monster either. (laughs) So I had to, you know, come up with a set of monsters. And it was so convenient to have uh, chain mails, monsters, and my own imagination remembering Tolkien, um, uh, uh, Lord of the Rings, Mm -hmm. uh, and creatures from there. But you couldn't use hobbits. I... They weren't monsters. (laughs) 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 They weren't monsters. So I... um, And I... uh, I didn't want to actually have them be a character, mm. you know, and I'll get to that when we get to the, you know, solving the other problems. The other one was the, the treasure idea, you know, you'd have to, um, that's, that's what we're after. I mean, the whole point of the dungeon was to go get loot and then run back and win. Yeah. <laughs> and so I had to you know, do a bunch of treasure and I, uh, treasures ideas. And I, you can't, came up with the idea of a card concept mm. of using uh, uh, two types of cards, monster cards and then treasure cards. And you would sprinkle them onto the uh, board, put the treasure down in a small room, and then put a monster on top. Mm. And now when you go open that door, you get to turn over the monster card, oh, okay. fight the monster, and yeah. if you win... Now you get to turn over the treasure card. Uh-huh. And so that's, that sort of solved that interaction problem right there. Yeah. But, uh, but then some other concepts sort of came into play. How do you make it variable? You know, if, if, the, if the treasures and monsters are all the same in each room, then you're, it's going to be boring. You know, yeah. you're just, mm-hmm. you're, you know play, replayability, that's another concept that right. you have to – yeah, when you're, yeah. when you're uh, designing a game, you have to think of the ideas about how to make it variable enough so that the uh, a player wants to come back and do it again. Mm-hmm. And so we just randomized the treasures and randomized the monsters. And that appears to have been enough variation <laughs> that people, even though the, the, the dungeon is fixed, you know, that's one thing. I can't change the dungeon. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, but I can. The only thing I was allowed to do um, in, in the design was to move the cards around. Okay. And so the other, the, the other pieces that uh, you, you, concepts that, you know, you have the players mm-hmm. and you, you don't necessarily want them to be um, all the same, you know, and that was the, some of the richness that we were getting out of Arneson's Blackmore was that there were wizards, there was superheroes, there was fighters and, and the, uh, some you know one one or two magical creatures, um, elves and dwarves, and so I wanted to have that richness. So I, I allowed those four types of players to be. But then the other thing was, oh, uh, wizards are way more powerful than than um, you know elves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so how do you balance? And this is another major concept that I had to work hard: that balancing the the board, the rules, the treasure, in order so that every um, uh, would have an equal chance of winning. 
And I'm, after these many years, I'm still happy to hear <laughs> that uh, nobody's coming up to me and say, I always win as a wizard. Ah, right, yeah, right, yeah. Right? You know, it's a, and so that's very gratifying as a game designer, yeah. you know, that, that, that I met that criteria. So that's it. Like, there were some, like, um, like, the wizard's the only one who can go to the sixth level of the dungeon at first, right? Well, you can go down there, but, of course, every creature that you're going to, as an elf, you could go down to the deepest part, and every creature would be able to knock you out. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't be able to touch them, but they could touch you. And mm-hmm. so it's, it, it, that was sort of the balancing area, so that I wouldn't have everybody crowding into the same spot, right? You know, that they would spread out. Uh, and and the, the fact that the deeper you went, the, the heart was harder, but sort of force, but the prizes were much better, sort of force the wizards and superheroes who want to go down into the fifth and sixth level. And then the other, uh, the elf and the superhero, uh, the hero would en- tend to be up in the upper levels. And, okay. so, and that, that, uh, that sort of worked out. <laughs> <laughs> um, in, in a friendly game, that's how it would work, right? Everybody right. would go off on in whatever direction they wanted. Right, yeah. In not-so-friendly games, <laughs> my game can be played this way. <laughs> um, the wizards and the superheroes like to go try to wipe out the upper levels because the creatures are easy for them. The treasures are not usually enough for them to win. But they then block everybody else from... Oh, right, right. right. You know, and my, my trick on that <laughs> was, the, was to always let the... Um, the weaker, I'll just call it weaker characters, go first. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh. And, so, and so they always at least had one pathway that they were following mm-hmm. that nobody could catch up to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's a, that you can still, you know. Be mean. Be mean. <laughs> <laughs> but there are mechanical counters to it. Yes. Right. And, you know, just in the, as designed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So, and I, so this, is, this was another. Mm-hmm. I was pretty happy about you yeah. know the yeah. fact that you know it, it, you design the game and you want to have it published. If it does does get published, it's got to go through editors. Yeah, mm-hmm. and this was you know I've always was afraid that that um, the editors would mangle the game, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> but the fact that I went with Gary Gygax and TSR, um, I had some influence with that. Right, so right. Basically, the the game uh, board and the the, the monster mechanics, you know, the mechanics and stuff like that, mm-hmm. they've pretty much left that alone. Yeah. But uh, they played a little bit around with the, with the dungeons. Um, um, uh, placement. Placement, yeah. They made some changes mm-hmm. that uh, I was scared that the balance, I mean, I, I spent a lot of time balancing <laughs> that down yeah. that dungeon, right? Yeah. I was, you know, I, before I even made the monsters or the treasures, um, I sort of had to figure out uh, a, a, uh, a combination of distance and the strength of the monsters, and then how many, how much prizes, expected values for how far you'd have to go to be able to win the game, and that sort of helped to figure out how strong a monster and how big the treasures ha- could be. Because right, because couldn't want you wouldn't want the the uh, uh, elf to win that ten thousand gold piece thing <laughs> yeah. and then go back and win on you know a second level. Right, yeah, right? you want that. That prize is down in the sixth level, where mm-hmm. some wizard's got to throw a fireball at, <laughs> right, right, right. at something. So. so the whole thing was designed as this tapestry, and you were worried a little bit about someone pulling the thread. Yes, mm-hmm. and I was uh, I was quite concerned about that. 
So, but uh, you know, I've, they they've it wasn't enough changes. Uh, Gary insisted that he rebalanced it. You know, mm-hmm. he, mm. he he sort of <laughs> discovered that. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that you know, he made a change, and I think I suspect that what happened was that it changed a little bit of the monster mix in the area, and he he re- re- realized that in the playtesting, so he rebalanced it. Of course, it was not quite the same. <laughs> um, so ultimately, did you feel that the, the, those minor changes, you feel that it escaped without, a ton, without it being broken down? Yes. But were you happy with any of the changes? Did it improve it at all? Or do you feel like it just didn't ruin it enough? I did, um, <laughs> that, I, the, the second one. <laughs> isn't, isn't that like, that's the, that's the line an artist gives, right? It's yeah. just like <laughs> any changes are, are, right. are heartbreaking, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I designed the game as a family game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I had that really and strongly in mind. Uh, in fact, um, um, the uh, sister of my best friend um, became uh, enamored with the game. I, I took it over to his house and, you know, to play test it with him. And, yeah. and Sandy, her name was Sandy Rosenberg. And um, she, uh, she just fell in love with the game. And she was my best, you know, she was a 14-year-old girl, mm-hmm. right? I mean, back in the that was playing my game and really liking it. <laughs> and the feedback I was getting from the fact that of what her demographic represented mm-hmm. was really important. Yeah. And uh, so I, she was so, she liked it so much. I actually made her a copy, a hand copy. Oh, nice. That's and okay. I've, about uh, last year, discovered that she still had it. <laughs> and she's been playing it, you know, for the last four, over 40 years. Wow. That's beautiful. Pretty, it's pretty fun. Yeah. We've talked on the show before about how just the feeling you get when younger people play your game. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's there's nothing like it. Yeah. Yes. Well, like when um we had a family gathering and uh, my little cousins played and it was so cool because they started like there's no role play like built into the game, but players just start doing the role playing anyway. Like like uh my little cousins were like, "Oh, now we're in the, in the dark part of the dungeon, and I rolled a one, which meant that my torch went out, and that means I couldn't see, so I shouldn't go any farther, and <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah, I found as I'm doing demonstrations that, that as people play, I would give that same sort of uh, feedback to mm-hmm. them, right? Oh, the monster dropped the you know dropped his uh, axe or something mm-hmm. like that. That's yeah. why that's why you beat it you know right away, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So. Um, that those are that's an, a nice enhancement. I d- didn't realize that that's what would happen. Mm-hmm. Okay, ah. yeah, no, that that's a unintended consequence, <laughs> <laughs> but it's a nice one. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of times they can not be so nice. Well, you, it seems like you built it to not require role playing, but what it ended up doing was creating a little vacuum that people who were inclined could easily fill it. Yes, right. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. It, it, um, my difficulty with uh, TSR was the uh, them trying to make it more role playing. So, yeah. Okay. Right, and that uh, that I had to fight Gary tremendously about, the, especially the player to player combat rules. Mm-hmm. I mean that. What? Yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's what I said. But he insisted that he wouldn't. It wouldn't publish the game unless they had them. So I I designed uh, a, a set of combat rules. So and mm-hmm. I, I said, well, I'm going to make. I'll make this a sink. I mean, this is by design. Mm-hmm. So you get involved in a, a player, two players can fight each other. Yeah. And then you make it that they both have to agree to give up. 
Okay. So oh. All right. You both have to either you kill, one gets killed or they both you both have to s- decide not to fight. Yeah. Right. Right. Like, okay. Well, meanwhile you're fighting there. That's taking your turns, and everybody else is running around picking up their treasure. They're doing the actual goal of the game. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> right. And so I I insisted that they had to be um, advanced rules. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the the basic game was going to be a family game, and, and you don't have that. You know. Little Susie. Right. And, Who fights with their family? Yeah. Right. yeah. No, no, no one does that. No. <laughs> you can't have me and my brother playing this game. <laughs> all we will do. Well, I'll play with you guys. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I was ha- I was happy, uh, and over the years, uh, in different editions, Gary kept adding uh, more and more elements of D and D. Right. So, you know, by the nineteen ninety. A 1992 version. It, there's, it's almost, uh, you know, D and D like D and D like, yeah, light. Yes. So it's it's evolved out of your hands at this point. Well, um, in 1992, uh, they it sort of went out of print, or they just never did another edition. And for uh-huh. 20 years, there was never another print. But in 2012. Um, had, uh, Wizards of the Coast. They bought TSR, mm-hmm. and um, Wizards of the Coast decided that they needed um, a game that would introduce the Dungeons and Dragons sort of mail you. And they said, "Well, wait a minute, we have Dungeons." <laughs> <laughs> so they came out with a, uh, another version. Oh, okay. Very dramatic. You know, I was I was completely pleased. Um, they announced it at uh, Gen Con in 2012, uh-huh. and they I happened to be there. So, oh, that's Chris, so cool. Chris Dupre. He was uh, the uh, head of product development at mm-hmm. Wizards. Um, found me, dragged me back into the <laughs> inner sanctum of <laughs> Wizards at the, you know uh, at the convention center, mm-hmm. and then presented me with uh, the, one of their prototype uh, games. Oh, that's and, so and cool! And my name's at the top of the masthead, which is like this is cool. <laughs> <laughs> but the other piece that I was really pleased with was the, that the basic rules were just about the same as what I wrote without the advanced rule. Oh, nice. <gasps> right? So they, they, those editors, you know, as, over the years, probably were getting rid of all the Gary stuff that was being added mm-hmm. and finally got down to my basic game mm. and said, this is great. Well, <laughs> that's the way I designed it. <laughs> so was that a result of taking the 92 version and then kind of try, like, did they independently pare it down and coincidentally ended up where you started or, or did they look back and, and at the original version? I don't, I'm not sure. Okay. I mean, I, I had a falling out with uh, TSR in 76 and we basically were eh, not really talking to each other sure. for, forever. But um, I, I think that they potentially just took the 92 version which had a lot of D and D elements, yeah, in it, yeah, yeah, and then started taking all those out, mm-hmm. okay. and then we end up with you know the game as it de- I designed, right? Sort of proving your original notion, yes. in a sense, yes, uh, and, that, and yeah. However, they came to it; it's a grand endorsement of, of the way you designed it, yes. And that uh, I was quite pleased that these, you know, they might be thinking, "Well, we but that McGarry made just you know this is a very complicated game," but <laughs> 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 I'll, I'll forgive them, right, right. <laughs> The one change that I don't like that they made in the newest version is that you don't put the cards on the board anymore, but it does make it a lot faster to set up. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that was another piece of uh, the design was to get the, a tactile idea going. Yeah. yeah. You know, we, 
we sort of get that in, in computer games a little bit with our controllers, right? You know, that's yeah. about the best we can do for having some sort of tactile thing. I, multi-sensory input to a play seems to enhance our enjoyment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I really wanted to have that little bit of action and a little bit of reward, and then it passes to the next person. Yeah. yeah. So, right, you know, and so, and because I was designing this with, uh, you know, teenagers and families, and you, you got little Johnny, <laughs> and yeah. he, he wants to get back to, it's my turn, it's my turn, my turn. So if it takes, you know, 20, 20 minutes to get back to little Johnny, well, he's, we've lost him. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he's off, you know, doing something else. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, so the, that was also a design feature was to get it so that you could actually do something in, in, in one or two moves of the pieces you could actually engage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that also dictated the placement of the rooms and the doorways and the secretnesses and the whole business. Yeah. So, yeah. So. One of the things we don't talk about in video games a lot that is a huge part of board games is that notion of like, of like downtime and like that, like like um, preventing that sense. I guess boredom is just the simplest way to describe yeah, okay. it. But like having something to do, yeah. right? In video games, a lot of times the the slow walk from one objective to the other is a grand part of the experience because there's a sort of cinematic elements or like you you can you can soak it in a little bit. But because in a board game or a pen and paper game, it's so much in your imagination. Or you know, I think you need to have more of that interaction. I think that's a really good instinct. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but yeah, it's interesting about like not having the cards on the table because that that feels like a strange rule that would only come from a generation who was used to video games. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, 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 it was due to a manufacturing sure. also because it could oh. cut down the number of cards. If yeah, you have the yeah. cards in a pile, you just take them off the top and mm-hmm. put them underneath the bottom. And the, nice. So they actually. Um, made the the component prices go down right right and these are other considerations we don't think a lot about <laughs> right. yeah. in video games so it's um well no in video games you have the i want that feature well a good pm says project manager would mm-hmm. say yeah, that'll take two years and five million dollars. Right? <laughs> How much so do you want it now? Really want it? Yeah. 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 So I want to hear more about like playtesting. You had said that um, earlier you had brought uh, your game to someone's house and, and you got uh, people you know involved in playtesting. And you got a lot of feedback from it. Um, what else did you do to get feedback from others? Did you take other people's houses? Did you have them come over? Well, I had the Arneson basement. Crowd, oh, oh, yes. Okay. The, which is like 30 or 40 people yeah. back in, in, the, mm-hmm. in 72. Mm-hmm. And so I, I showed it to them. I mean, you know, I, I designed a, uh, the prototype in a 72-hour period. Oh. Oh. And there's Game a, jam. Right? Yes, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I had uh, gone to uh, University of Minnesota. And back in the days I was going there, the Vietnam War was still... Uh, going on the draft was still uh, an active thing and that was something that i was did not did not want to be part of but um i in 72 i uh i had to graduate but i i had three classes i hadn't finished (laughs) (laughs) but the draft board doesn't care about that i mean you get you got your four years and now you Mm -hmm. get drafted so and i've so I was drafted in this uh, in the fall of 1972, okay. and uh, but I had 
done a, uh, a house painting in the summertime, and I was trying to get a contract done, and I just wasn't going to finish. So I asked the draft board. I sent a letter, and they asked them, could I have one more week? Mm. And, you know, I wasn't expecting that they would. But this big packet came back, and they changed my orders, and, mm-hmm. you know, they gave me the week, and I and I um, finished the, the painting contract and went down to the courthouse and got in line um, to be uh, uh, led into the room to take the oath. And then, and this, 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 uh, these officers came out and, and they looked at it. One of them was a doctor. He was the captain. He pointed at one fellow and said, go get Wade. And he pointed at me, go get Wade. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea what, you know, I, I looked over at the, the other fellow and he had a big tire on his belly, right? <laughs> you know, it's just, he must've been drinking beer <laughs> 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 yeah. like mad, you know, yeah. but I don't understand why he's pointing at me. Mm-hmm. So we go get weighed. They weigh him first, and he's too heavy for his height. Now I had never ever heard this concept. Okay? <laughs> so they put me on, and I'm 116 pounds and 510. Mm. No, I'm not that anymore, <laughs> <laughs> but I was thin as a rail. Mm-hmm. And uh, during my pre-induct, uh, they had measured me wrong. They said five nine and three quarters and 120, which is where I had stabilized since I was 18. Mm-hmm. But now I was 116 because that last week I was working 14 hours. Right. <laughs> eating very starchy and, you know, pro- high-protein diet. My yeah. mother was feeding me steak and potatoes, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm out. Well, you know, when you're in the draftable age, you don't get internships. You can't join the Peace Corps because mm-hmm. they know you're going to get drafted. Yeah. So there's no interviewing. You can't go get a job. So I'm all of a sudden out the door into a, I don't have a job, I don't, haven't finished my degree. Mm. <laughs> I go home and surprised my mother, and she just cried. But I went and saw my girlfriend, and she didn't cry. <laughs> <laughs> well, about a month later, we broke up. And that turmoil of not knowing what the future was going to be, no job, I haven't finished my things. The, I'd had this idea of been watching Arneson getting overwhelmed by the fact that we could even call him on the phone. He could say 10 feet, 20 feet, or 30 feet over the phone, and all of a sudden we're playing the game, yeah. right? So I just, in my uh, grief, if you will, um, I just went and I had, I just started on a Friday night and I just stayed up and I designed the board and then I, figured out the calibrations and then I uh, um, built the board and then I built the cards and, and then I collapsed. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and that was, a that's sort of the, the story. Yeah. Of, um, you know, it, it was definitely a spurt sprint yeah. effort. You know, it wasn't one of these methodical every day I'm going to work on the, <laughs> right, right. The, the things like that. No, it was, you didn't just, have like a really good schedule in mind. No. <laughs> You, didn't, you no. didn't put those project management tasks to, to, no, to I good did use. Not. <laughs> but it's interesting. Like you, there's this moment where in your life, you like, what am I going to do with my life? And then you just did what you were going to do with your life. Yes. Right? It just came to you almost like because there was nothing else. Of course it was going to be that. Yeah. Right? Yes. Uh, and I knew I had a really good idea. And I had just read a, um, a book called 75 Years of Gaming by, it was, it was a, a thing put out by Parker Brothers where they explained about how they took game ideas in hmm. and stuff like that. So I wrote to Parker Brothers <laughs> <laughs> and um, 
you know. They sent a very polite little letter did. back. <laughs> so I have that rejection letter. Oh, nice. <laughs> so I, uh, before, after I wrote the letter, but before I got the reply, uh, Arneson and David Arneson, co-author of Dungeons and Dragons, and I went down to see Gary Gygax in Lake Geneva show off his Blackmore in my dungeon. Mm-hmm. And Gary fell in love with Dungeon. I mean, you know, he just thought it was just the neatest thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, I'll represent you to guide on games. And, you know, well, we'll have to work a little bit on some of the game, <laughs> game ideas. Right? So good news and bad news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the whole business. But I said, I demurred. I said, mm-hmm. I, you know, well, hey, I'll think about it. Because I was thinking, that, well, Parker Brothers is going to sure. pick me up. Well, on December 27th, I get the rejection letter in 1972. So I called Gary up and I said, well, I think maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I've looked at a lot of offers. Yes, but exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll work with you. <laughs> so, and that's when we went back and forth about the uh, uh, combat, you know, player to player combat yeah, rules yeah, yeah. and a few other stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And we finally then uh, sent it off to, uh, to Guide on Games in April of 1973. And then he accepted it in May. And then they said, we can't do it. Huh. Because the board is too expensive to make. It's a oh. small operation. I mean, it, oh, that's why yes. it's paper in yes. the first edition. Yes, it's paper in the first edition. Hmm. Oh. So, um, yes, because the manufacturing uh, for very small companies is a very difficult thing. Yeah. And, you know, ba- and they also probably didn't have distribution uh, in, in ways that they needed to have it happen. So to give you a sort of time frame uh, vis-a-vis you know, Dungeons and Dragons itself, Arneson and Gygax are still working on the first uh, prototype of their game mm-hmm. when my game is accepted for publication. Oh, yeah. Okay? Okay. Just to understand. Yeah. <laughs> but because the, it's easier to put a, pa- a paper product, D&D made it out the door first. Hmm. And then a very, that just took off. And because of that... Um, Fantastic, you know, growth spurt that they got. Mm-hmm. Gary was able to now make to make my game ah. the more expensive, the more product. expensive product, <laughs> huh. and then it came out. And then, and over the years, I, it's, it's sold millions of copies. I think by now, mm-hmm. millions. I never was able to ever get them to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, relationship with publishers has maybe not changed that much. No, yeah. no. <laughs> so, do, do you get royalties from that though and stuff, right? Well. Um, you have to understand, we were a band of brothers. And, yeah. And I really, uh, I worked for TSR in 1976 as mm-hmm. a treasurer. I was an officer. And I really understood marketing. And I said, you know, this game's got to go down to 995. And I'm going to um, sell my royalties for stock in the company so that we can get it down to 995, mm-hmm. not 1250. But the idiots they still didn't get it. They went down to ten fifty, and it's just like, no. <laughs> but I, I couldn't do anything, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then uh, after a couple of years of after my falling out with uh, with them, I I didn't have faith in their in their ability to make the company go. Okay. And ultimately, they did go bankrupt, and they had to go through. It was not an official bankruptcy. You know, mm-hmm. they basically got you know, forced out yeah. and bought by uh, Lorraine Williams. And then she groomed the TSR and then sold it to Wizards of the Coast. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they, they there's a progression. There's a, like yeah. a five-step progression about yeah. how, how you do business in this country. Right, right. And 
Gary and Bloom, uh, Brian Bloom, um, just didn't understand. <laughs> <laughs> they were game people, not yeah. businessy. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the TSR had the one advantage of having an iconic product. Yep. So there was a lot of people invested in not letting it completely go away. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't, but it seems like that's all that saved them. <laughs> yes. I mean, I, I always have to think of the fact that they didn't have me around to, uh, that the board, you know, dungeon as a, as a product, just mm-hmm. steady sale. You know, right. I have to, yeah, think, yeah. I have to understand. I, I have to get this in my head too, mm-hmm. you know, that I helped preserve that company through a lot of ups and downs yeah. with the, with the fact that it was sale. Yeah. So I, I sold my stock. Oh, so, I, so I, but this is my reputation game. I mean, I'd always had it in my mind that, you know, if I've, I'm attached to this game, it's not going to get to where I want it to go. Mm-hmm. And I've been successful. Though that 20 years of being out of print was sort of <laughs> a little scary. <laughs> but it has all changed now. So. Mm-hmm. So. That's good. That's good. Well, famously, uh, Dungeon gets a little bit of a cameo in the first season of Stranger Things. Right. Um, yes. Which was a really fun. When, when did you hear about that? Uh, somebody uh, sent me something on Facebook and, uh, and so I, I didn't understand which one it was. So I finally got, I finally got around to seeing stranger things mm-hmm. and then, and sure enough, it's the 1982 edition. <laughs> so they were actually very, uh, right. You know, yeah. in terms of historically correct on, mm-hmm. on the, they grabbed the right one That's and, nice. And they only showed the dungeon. That particular box has got dungeon all the way across the top. Right? Yeah, yeah. So it's they, nicely they, prominently shown. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, exactly. And it was on there for three seconds. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a long time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, one, two, it was like three or four steps. And, yeah. You know, so, so I was pretty, pretty darn happy with that. Mm-hmm. So. That's good. That's, That's good. That's cool. <laughs> and now you can find the game in all sorts of cool places like Barnes & Noble and Powell's Bookstore in <laughs> Portland. <laughs> Yeah, I was yeah. particularly, Martha sent me a picture of the uh, games on the shelf in Powell's. And I said, I made Powell's. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, there's certain milestones, and that was, uh, that was one of them. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting you described the, um, uh, earlier on you were describing the mechanic, the sort of the randomized loot um, <laughs> on the board. And it, that's so familiar to video game players now it's been yeah. a rising mechanic it's also something i know martha is in love with yes <laughs> and that now we know where she gets it but but uh, you were saying it, it solved a problem yeah right um is was that had that approach been used before uh, because it, it is such a pivotal cornerstone mechanic these days i'm not aware of a, of a treasure game i yeah. mean i think you i think there might have been some sort of pirate board games mm-hmm. you know where you go but you're always going to the same spot i mean you know the yeah. the playability uh, replayability of those type of games was pretty pretty low mm-hmm. and so i i've been i'm i'm just not sure i i, I, I can't answer that question <laughs> um, more more mar- more market research is needed <laughs> That's right. yeah. um i like to think i was you know um Innovative, you know that that mm-hmm. that that was a a pivotal uh, des- a design decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you know that goes on into the future, right? But maybe at the time you were doing it, it just felt like the natural solution to the problem. Yes, not necessarily like an eureka moment or anything. No, it was. A, <laughs> I, oh, I have this problem. Oh, I can do it that way, and then uh, you know that. Yeah, that just fell out of the analysis as mm-hmm. well. 
I, I think that's good for uh, listeners and for us here at the table to to think about the way we design our our solutions to our problems. Is that a lot of times we're like, what is the neat novel hook of an idea that's really going to make my game amazing? Yeah, it's really going to like make it sing. But like ultimately, it's about problem solving. Mm-hmm. It's about doing what you want it to do, and 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 you know, it will it'll be received how it's received. I guess, <laughs> but. Yeah, we have no control over the marketplace or how players are going to yeah. receive our game. And so we try to, it's sort of like the building a bird, a, a nest for the bird of paradise. You, you, know, <laughs> you try to make it as pretty as possible, but mm-hmm. it, they, they either come or they don't. <laughs> so, um, I was lucky. Yeah, yeah. Well, that must have been nerve-wracking when the game first came out, right? Like, if you, you didn't know whether or not it was going to be successful. Um. Well, it's hard to say. No, no, you I, were sure it was going to be. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I had faith in my game. Yeah. Yeah. So I wasn't so sure about Dungeons and Dragons. Because, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, from, from a design point, the referee is the is a key, key player. Mm-hmm. And they have to do, back in the, the early days, they had to do a tremendous amount of upfront work to be yeah. able to make it happen. There right. were no modules. There was no modules. There's no, you know, player aids. There's no, there, you, you, and there's very little instruction as to how to actually set up the game. And, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. When you look at those, uh, those original rules. And now there's like tons of guidance and standards and cliches and YouTube series. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, and people still think being a, a GM is the hardest thing in the world. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine what it was like then. Yes. My boyfriend Dylan is tired of being the GM because he constantly, everyone's like, oh, you're so good at it. You should do another one. He's like, I just want to play. Let me play. <laughs> he can play my game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We should play more Dungeon. Mm-hmm. Hey, Dylan, we should play more Dungeon. <laughs> um, so, uh, I mean, you're saying the Dungeon's your reputation game. Mm-hmm. And you went on to work in, in uh, video games and software development. Um, did you did you, f- you ever feel like you left it behind, especially because you left TSR, or did you ever want to get back into making it more uh, like more full time? Well, that's what uh, going into the computer gaming yeah. uh, world was trying to get back to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I did work on another fantasy game with my sisters called, called Pentanta Star, mm-hmm. and uh, that was. Um, People that played it liked it, but it was a two-player game, and that you know that that was one of the. I've discovered that that's not so good. Right, <laughs> right. limits its party. It appeal. limits its party appeal, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but once you got into the computer side of things, then it was like, well, okay, I'll, I'll get to those game ideas, you know, those board game ideas, right, right. Uh, later. It felt like an evolution rather than a totally separate thing. Like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it was a. Uh, um, uh, Arneson's uh, basement crowd was pretty visionary, and uh, my mentor Dan Nicholson was part of it. And he he recognized back in 1978 uh, that the home computers were really going to take off. So the Radio Shack, the Pet, the the Apple, the mm-hmm. Atari, uh, the Intel Vision. I mean, you know, these are all uh, ga- gaming systems that uh, we can maybe write software. And so he came to us and he said. You design the games, and I'll write the software, and we'll make a million dollars. And he was pretty, pretty ama- amazing. You know, he designed a cross compiler to uh, on a Altair eighty eight hundred mm-hmm. 
to actually produce, we, we wrote it in what we called the intermediate level language. Yeah. So we, we designed the game, you know, in this intermediate level language. And then you would cross compile it into the, all the, one, one compile and you get um, uh, four, four, nice. four game systems, right? You know, wow. Like, the people using Unity or even Java a decade ago are used to that idea. Yes. But it was unheard of at the time. Yeah, yes, it was. Huge. Yes. I mean, he was uh, ahead of his time mm -hmm. on, the, on that aspect of it. Um, and so we developed uh, uh, some flying games, you know. Um, and, uh, but then we ran into what is our biggest problem. How do you sell it? Right? <laughs> yeah. We can make anything, and it's even more so now. I mean, we can design things, we can make things, we can get it manufactured. But if, if you can't sell it, then it does, there's no. Yeah. And back then, there was no distribution. There's no Best Buy or anything like that. It was all cassette in a baggie, <laughs> mail order. Maybe a hobby shop might have a little, you know, uh, stand, rotating mm -hmm. stand that yeah. they would put it on. But so. Uh, we floundered on that, and that's when we uh, Dan said, "Well, we got to find a company that um, can sell," mm -hmm. and that's when we did the click work. But I can tell you that another time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know, the, the the richness of the of the basement Arneson basement yeah. crowd was um, uh, pretty strong, yeah. and, and we just fed off each other. That mm -hmm. was that was one of the neatest aspects of this. Um, they, when I uh, presented it to the basement crowd, uh, they really liked it. I mean, I, my goal had been right. I got to get the referee out of it. Yeah. So Ernestson got to play. <laughs> Finally. Uh, yes, and he liked it. Right? Uh -huh. Okay. I mean, you know, so that was the other, you know, sort of the goal yeah. of, of the design was to get that. Could I? Take the referee out. And yeah. I got the referee to play the game. And yeah. He, and he didn't need to do anything. <laughs> so, That's cool. Yeah, yeah you so brought, awesome. your game brought everybody together. Yes. In a way that like mm -hmm. Dungeons and Dragons doesn't. Right. Because now, now everybody's an equal player. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, we have this DM. And then, and so you automatically have an us versus them, even though, you know, it's sort of somewhat cooperative. So some DMs are really vicious. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know one or two. <laughs> so, but it, it it kept the you know it became a um, uh, a, a vehicle for group play. Yeah, that's right. And uh, I actually, um, I dungeon was the only uh, uh, part that I finished the design. Mm -hmm. I actually got rid of the DM through the hole concept so i was mm -hmm. going to have castle explanation mark yeah and kingdom explanation mark. ah and as we transitioned from the, the into those games i was going to get more when kingdom came out you'd be actually working together mm -hmm. be an actual cooperative game going yeah. down into these and then the neat thing about this was oh i could have four castles and i could have or you know um and then i could have three or four more dungeons right mm -hmm. you know as a Sort of a modular idea, right? Yeah. Right. You right? could you could change the board finally. Finally, right? I could yeah. change the board. <laughs> Just have another castle and stuff like that. Yeah. So I have a castle prototype board designed, but I haven't calibrated it. <laughs> well, we got to play that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. You've got well, your new basement. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, you were talking about you know um, bringing those those people together to play a game where they're all on equal footing, and we talk about them on this show all the time about finding a community. 
Yeah. And yeah. It, 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 it just sounds like an incredible example of where everybody could, they could take their thoughts and, and not just make them real, but hone them and, and refine them and, uh, and prove them. Mm-hmm. And it's something that, uh, that we advocate to listeners all the time is like, find that basement crowd of your own. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. if you have to make it, uh, you know, that's a little extra work, but if, you know, uh, but find one you can join if you can find a couple, if you can. Yeah. Uh, it, I know here, the community we have here has been really beneficial to the work that we do. Yeah. Um, not just to get play testers, but like just bouncing off feedback and like socializing and like sharing ideas and having those Eureka moments together. And having those moments which don't feel like Eureka moments until someone tells you it was a really good idea. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but it's, it's just cool to hear another example of that. Yeah. And, uh, and the, the, a lot of times it, it's encour- the encouragement that we get, you know, even just watching somebody else be successful mm-hmm. at solving a problem yeah. gets to be the impetus or, you know, the, the little boost, yeah. right? Because you know, when, we, when we create something, we're raising the boat of mm-hmm. our imagination and our, our it's just, well, it's, it's a, a concept that I, I really want to try to get to happen more often, mm-hmm. which is we're all helping each other get to uh, uh, realize our dreams. Right, right. So, yeah. The cooperative play in yes, the real world. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly right. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, thank you for joining us. Yeah, this has been a long you. time in the making. We're finally, we're you know, very happy to finally have you here, especially for this, our 150th episode. Well, thank you for but having we'll, me. We'll definitely have you back because oh, we yeah. just, we skimmed the surface, but there's, you hinted at a couple of other fantastic <laughs> topics. Yes. That we and I know our <laughs> listeners will want to hear more about. Okay. Well, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, one or two listeners might not already know where to find your stuff. Um, you have a Facebook page, right? People can... Follow. Yes, I have a, a David R. McGarry Facebook page. I also have a YouTube channel. Um, that's uh, uh, David McGarry's Dungeon, and I'm also just been, uh, a movie that I'm a documentary that I've been part of has just gotten finished. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, uh, it's called Secrets of Blackmore, and they have a Facebook page and a web page. Mm-hmm. And they have a video on demand right now, but they're they're waiting for Spanish uh, su- subtitles. Okay. Uh, before they uh, put out the uh, DVD. Ah. So uh, looking forward to getting the yeah. DVD. <laughs> <laughs> that one's been a long in the making, right? Yeah, it's been about five years. So wow. it's, um, yeah, they, when they get, uh, the when the people uh, this Chris and uh, uh, Griff from uh, they got wind of well this. It's Dungeons and Dragons thing, and then they somehow got to, uh, to understand. Well, there's this David Arneson guy, you know, and that's how they sort of found us. Mm-hmm. And the more they delved into interviewing and finding artifacts and stuff like that, they, they became the richness. They they found the richness there that the, uh, they said I can, we can make a documentary out of that. Mm-hmm. So, and that's what they've been doing. But a lot of times, what would happen? The, They'd find new information, right? You know, yeah. another another memory would come backing up, and oh, that changes everything about us. <laughs> Our emphasis here now has to change yeah. over. The, oh, so that's been it's been a little bit of a struggle. They're going to come out with a second movie. They have like two hundred hours of of um, oh wow, oh, yikes, of, of taping, yeah. you know? <laughs> and uh, and they're uh, going to they want to get more into the out of the history and more into the playing of the how did we play the game? Oh, interesting, right? yeah, because you know, we get. We tell, talk about our being the wizards and talk about our, you know, being the elf. And um, I, I, I'm looking forward to that piece, mm-hmm. you know, because it's uh, they. That's where we share the play. This the first movie was 
how did we make it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, how did how was the evolution of role playing gaming happening? Mm-hmm. So, and you've heard uh, that story. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he was there. <laughs> you've been telling it for a while. So. <laughs> I have been telling it for a while. Yeah. Well, that's great. We'll put links to all that in the show notes so people can dig deeper. Oh, thank you. That's our show. If you haven't already, subscribe to Nice Games Club in your favorite podcast app and be sure to give it a good review if you liked it or a nice like us. We really need to know you're out there. So leave a review and tell all your friends too. We also want to hear directly from you. So follow us on Twitter and all the other things at Nice Games Club and email us at contact at nicegames.club. Lastly, you can find more about the show, your nice hosts, our nice guest, as well as get all the links and show notes from this and other episodes at nicegames.club. So until we start again, remember to play nice and make nice.